do you think it's possible to be in control of your thought life? Do you think it's possible to be in control of your emotions, how you feel in any given moment of the day? Have you ever attempted to be ever mindful and conscious of your mindset, how you think and feel, and find that it seems like an ongoing, consistent battle? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today in The Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the World. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. Do you believe that it's possible to live the life of your dreams, to have life go your way? I'm not saying that you have control over all of the circumstances of your life, but I do believe that it is possible to be in control of your experience of life. I have been talking a lot about affirmations. In fact, in episode 673, I recently just published an episode, Why Affirmations Do Not Work for Some People and How to Solve That Problem. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, go back one episode and listen to it. It's an incredibly powerful episode, and I share a few affirmations there. Now, Last week, I'm recording this on Wednesday, January 12th, 2022. Last week, I did another masterclass on Clubhouse where I shared several additional affirmations. I think I actually only covered two of them, but I had a lot of commentary that I wanted to share on those two affirmations. And then somebody who had been in the clubhouse room with me last week came up and asked me a question I wasn't quite prepared for. I gave a response, but then I decided, you know what, I think I'd really like to take another stab at answering that question. And so I want to share with you in this episode the question that Ward had asked me in Clubhouse last week when it comes to mindset and how to develop this. What process, what tips, what hints can you give? Here's what Ward had asked me specifically. My question is a process question for you, and I followed you a little bit, listened to some of your podcasts, not a lot, so I'm maybe a little bit late to the game. And I'm a Bible teacher, been teaching the Bible all my life, and there are many things that you say that resonate with many biblical principles. But the question that I have for you as I listen is that... Again, you take a clip and it's like, yeah, okay, fine, great. I can be that at this moment in time. But you alluded to the fact that, man, it is just so easy to be swept away in the current of life. And all of a sudden you've got an hour, two hours, three hours, and all this, holy mackerel, I got to get my mindset back. So what tips or hints or helps do you have in terms of making this an ongoing process? It just, it's a continual battle, it would seem. 
So that was the question that came in from Ward. Now, I happen to be recording this live in front of a clubhouse audience, and Ward is up on stage with me. He's muted as I'm monologuing this entire episode, and I have his permission to share this in episode 674 of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. I have an outline that I felt inspired and motivated to put together to record as a more detailed response, specifically getting into those tips, those hints, those helps that I can provide to somebody who feels like adopting and maintaining a positive mindset is a continual battle. Ward has been very generous in giving me permission to do this, and so what I would like to do, and and by the way, this is for anybody who resonates with that question as it was asked, I am going to be very authentic, very straightforward, and tell you that I have lots of thoughts on this, and the first thing I want to do is I want to I evaluate the question, and I hope Ward is cool with this. He'll let me know at the end of this uh, monologue to tell me how he felt about it. But here's the question. He has a process question. What's the process? How do you develop this mindset? How do you maintain this mindset instead of just in the moment? And what I want to do is I want to focus on language. If you've listened to my content for a very long time, you know that I talk about Controlling your emotional state. Being in control of the way you think and the way you feel emotionally. That's when I think about mindset, I think about your pattern of habitual thinking and your pattern of habitual feeling or the emotions that you feel the most, the thoughts that you think the most. So your mindset is made up of your thoughts and your emotions. That is mindset. I mean, that's just a big picture overview of what I'm talking about when it comes to mindset. When you want to have control over your mindset, your thoughts and emotions, you can In the moment, any moment of the day, change how you feel emotionally by simply changing your physiology, the way that you use your body. If you were maybe feeling a little down or kind of just, uh, you know, just, oh man. Chances are you're kind of slumped over, leaning forward, looking down. Limbs are kind of just droopy and 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 hunch, you're breathing shallow. And if you were to just stand up, jump up and down or do some jumping jacks just for 60 seconds, then take in some very deep breaths, hold your head high, look up at the ceiling and hold a Superman pose, I promise you this, you will experience a radical emotional shift in how you feel. It will absolutely change your emotional state. It's guaranteed to happen. When you go into, let's just say, a depressed state or an angry state or a frustrated state, they require the certain use of your body to be able to pull off that emotional state. I just want to let people know that you can change your physiology alone and that could change how you feel. The second thing that you can do to change in the moment, any time you want, any time of the day you can do this. You can change what you're focused on 
if you change what you're focused on, you'll change what you feel. So for example, if all of a sudden I'm having a really great day and things seem to be kind of in flow state, I just finished up, you know, that the last thing that I quote unquote had to do on my to-do list, like, okay, now I get to really do what I was very much looking forward to getting to to do today. And then a text message that comes in that says, hey, I know that I made a commitment to be your client for the next year, but you know what? I found a new coach and I'm leaving. And by the way, I want a full refund and blah, blah, blah. You know, just, I, just one of those things that's just unexpected. Now I'm focused on this text message. I'm focused on that. And, and if I'm not careful, if I'm not in control of my state, I have the potential of doing what I used to do, which is to allow myself to shift my focus over to this text message instead of this big project that I was super excited about starting, and now I'm focused on this text message. Now, if I want to, I could look at that and say, okay, there's this message. That's not what I had anticipated coming in today. It's not what I had prepared for. It's not what my plans for about how the next couple of weeks were going to go financially as a result of that. But if I want to, I can actually keep myself from going into a negative state if I keep myself focused on the project that I have at hand that I, that fills me with joy and passion that I'm excited about doing. Or I could f- choose to instead say, you know what? I was going to start on this project, but this message has come in and I'm sensing inside of myself a little bit of a mindset of scarcity coming in a little bit of fear about what this might mean financially. I'm feeling a little bit of apprehension about, did I say something wrong? Is there something wrong with me? Is there a reason why somebody would fail to live up to their commitment, which is obviously against my own personal values? I could sense that coming on, and I could instead shift my focus to gratitude. What I might do in that case is I might pull up a handwritten journal or maybe even a digital journal. It doesn't matter if you have got an app like day one or anything that you want to journal. Wherever you can just keep track of some things that you are incredibly grateful for, thankful for. I might write into my journal, I am thankful for the clients that I have had over the years who have consistently seen the value that I've offered them. I am incredibly thankful for the number of clients who have made a commitment to work with me for X number of months or X number of years or whatever the case may be and who have lived up to their commitment. And I'm thankful that that's what the majority of people do. I'm thankful for the results that I see that my clients, I'm thankful for the work that God has called me to do in this world. I'm thankful for the fact that I broke free from my soul-sucking job as an insurance agent 12 years ago or however, actually 14 years ago and that I've been able to do this work and provide for my family, doing this thing I feel most called into the world. And then all of a sudden, because I've shifted my focus away from what that potential negative emotion that was potentially going to rise within me when I focused on the message via text that came in, that unexpected message, I could go to my gratitude journal and just immediately focus on what I have to be thankful for rather than what I have over here to be worried about, anxious about, or fearful of. So just by shifting my focus away from the text message and over to the gratitude journal, now all of a sudden it is impossible, and I've learned this, you cannot be filled with gratitude 
and filled with fear at the same time. You cannot be filled to the top, brimming with gratitude and be anxious at the same time. It is not possible. If you fill yourself up with gratitude and you really lay it on thick because there is a seemingly infinite number of things for you and I to be grateful for. If you've ever had a trouble building a list of the top 15,000 things you have to be thankful for today alone, uh, <laughs> reach out to me. I can help you out. I can help you build that list. I promise you. 15,000 doesn't even scratch the surface of what you have to be thankful for just today alone. There's an infinite number of things for you to be thankful for. So anyway, I can change my physiology, which will allow me to change my emotional state. I can change my focus away from the thing that might have caused a negative emotional state over to something that's going to cause a positive one. But let's just say, and and I've had this before, let's just say that, okay, I want to work on my project that I had all planned out to do today. Ah, but this text message has come in and, and man, it's pulling my mind. It's pulling my attention. It, it's it's scream. I don't, have you guys ever had this? It's screaming for me. Come read me. Come read me. Come focus on me. You can't let this go. And it's like, okay, no, I'm going to go over to my gratitude journal and I'm going to my gratitude journal. And if you get into your gratitude journal and then all of a sudden you might find yourself trying to come up with things, but really uh, you got the little voice, you know, from your right shoulder left shoulder, wherever that one negative voice comes from. And it's like, no, go read the message, go respond, get angry, get anxious, get upset, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, there's a potential that what has come in via that text message is a time sensitive issue. In that scenario, sometimes you will choose to focus on it. And now here's what I will tell you. Whatever you focus on is what you will feel. If I focus on a message and and I'm going to feel whatever thoughts I have related to that message. But if I focus on that gratitude journal with focus on gratitude, I'm going to feel gratitude. Let's just say it's time to focus on this text message. And now all of a sudden I have to choose. And, and here's the third thing you can do to change your emotional state in any given moment. So far, there's been physiology, how you use your body. Number two There is your focus. What are you focused on? And then the third one is language slash meaning. What language do I use to describe this text message to myself? What meaning am I associating? Whatever language I use. So, for example, I may not be saying words out loud, but let's just say it's that text message. Remember the questions I kind of hypothetically put it there. It's like, oh, what did I do wrong? That language gives a meaning to that text message. If I ask myself, gosh, did I do something wrong? Well, now I'm actually giving that text message the meaning behind this person saying, I'm not going to stay with my commitment as your client. I found a different coach and I want a refund. All right, if that's the message that I get via text, I am actually saying that that text message is meaning that I probably did something wrong. 
that I have offended somebody. I did. I didn't live up to their expectation. I could also be associating meaning. Maybe I'm not a valuable coach. Maybe I'm just not cut out for this work. Maybe I'm charging too much. Maybe I've dropped the ball. Maybe everybody would rather have a more powerful coach than me. All of this stuff I'm just making up meanings, and sometimes these meanings, when we are approached by an unexpected circumstance that comes up out of nowhere, and we are seemingly having a great day, I don't know, have you ever, it's like, oh man, life is good, text message, and I read it, and I'm like, why does this always happen to me? That's language, by the way. That language would associate the meaning to that. It's like, oh, here's the next thing that's going to go wrong in my life. We have to be careful how we're using our physical body, how we're using our physiology. We need to be consciously aware. Where are my eyes? How am I holding my my muscles, tense or loose? Or am I chest up straight and powerful? Or am I slouched over all the time? Am I breathing shallow breaths or deep breaths? Am I looking up or am I just looking down because I just, it's like I'm just afraid of what's around the corner? How am I using my body? What am I allowing myself to focus on? Did I spend the morning listening to the news media telling me the next three or four things that are going to likely kill me and my entire family this week? Did I spend the morning listening to people argue over the politics and and it seems like everybody's out to get everybody else and, and this world's you know, and it looks like the there's not going to be any food for anybody and inflation is up and blah, blah, blah. It, what am I allowing myself to focus on? And I want to be in conscious control. I want to be in control of where my focus goes. But I also want to be sure that when I am focused on something that I might need to focus on in any given moment of time, I want to be responsible. I want to take the responsibility for assigning an empowering meaning to that circumstance. Now, I could go by default. Ah, Here's another one of those things. It's like I'm just waiting. I have a friend of mine that had a habit, and he's shaking the habit. He's done a really great job of shaking this habit, but it it still comes up for him every now and then. But his phrase, his language over, man, I'm just waiting for the next shoe to drop. Things are going really great. Matter of fact, ever since this, uh, you know, I, I've seen continual progress. I've seen great success in sales. We just hired three new employees, and I'm kind of getting worried because things are going so great, and things have been going so awesome for about the last three weeks. And I got to tell you guys, I'm really fighting this because I'm really worried. I'm just wondering, when's the next shoe going to drop? Boom. That language assigns a meaning to life, meaning that life is always going to bring you lemons. And that's not what life necessarily does. In fact, I have a firm belief that everything, everything that is allowed to enter into my experience of life is meant to serve me and help me. 
everything. That would include, you know, my getting COVID back in November of last year. That would include the big, huge, gigantic mistakes that I make in my business that cost me tens of thousands of dollars every now and then. I've had a few of those. Figuring out the ways that I have had massive success in my health and fitness journey and then losing focus and and gaining weight back and feeling the uh, medical and physical and health effects of, of that. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, man, okay, even that's going to serve me. So rather than actually having an unexpected circumstance or situation pop up in life, instead of assigning a meaning and using language to describe how bad that situation is, I'm instead going to look into that situation and say, I need to figure out what am I able to learn from this experience that can help me grow personally, professionally, relationally, spiritually. I know that this situation has been allowed to enter into my experience of this adventure called life. And I know that while it may be somewhat painful to go through this experience, ultimately, 5, 10, 15 years from now, I'll either laugh about this or I will, if people said, Cliff, if you could go back and do it all over again, would you have told yourself something so you could have avoided that? And the answer has always been to the most difficult things that I once thought were the most difficult things. I wouldn't change a thing because I wouldn't be who I am and I wouldn't have the stories that I have that resonate with people. I wouldn't have the rapport that I have with people. What I've experienced allows me to connect with those who are also experiencing those kinds of things and I can speak and say, yes, I do have experience with that. And so I believe that everything happens for my benefit. When I go through life like that, then I use language as, wow, what a gift I've just received this week. (laughs) This text message that I just got from this person is a gift because there's all sorts of things that I can learn from this experience. One of the things that I'm going to learn is uh, I'm going to evaluate where did, how did I meet this client that's now leaving me? What was the conversation? Did I jump the gun and rush to make a proposal when I wasn't absolutely 100% certain in my gut that he was a good fit for my coaching. When I asked him, do you want to commit to working with me over the next six months or the next year? When I made that proposal to him, did he slightly hesitate but said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. How can I actually learn? And and I've and I've had these kind of experiences before. It's like so now, just to give you an idea, I've had the exact experience that I've just told you about. I've received a text message that said specifically that, except for it didn't have I want a refund because there he hadn't paid in advance. He was paying monthly, but he said he says Cliff, I'm I know I've committed to a year. We've been working together for three months. You told me to read. Michael Neal's book, and I've been reading his book. I've been researching a lot of his material. I'm subscribed to his YouTube channel. He's got a program, and I've decided I want him as my coach instead of you. And I'm like, okay. And how I handled that situation was, hey, no worries whatsoever. I want to let you know I've gone in and I've canceled your monthly payment subscription. You know what? Moving forward, I want to eval- I want to evaluate when I bring on new clients. Are they the type of person who makes a commitment and sticks with it? 
See, that's not something that I had as a distinction. That's not something that I did in the qualifying process prior to that experience. But now I've had this experience and I've learned I only want clients who have that value because I recognize that I have the temptation of being upset if somebody makes a commitment and then just bails on it when whenever they feel willy-nilly, I want to do something else. And it's like, you know what? You know, I want to make sure you're in it. The other thing is, is I te- as a result of that, I test people's commitment. Recently had a gentleman join the AM group of the Next Level Mastermind. I, matter of fact, his first meeting was this morning, Wednesday, January 12th, 2022. And last Tuesday, I made the proposal. And I said, hey, what do you think? Are you interested? Are you in? Do you want to join the Next Level Mastermind? And here's what he said to me. He says, Cliff, my gut tells me that it's a heck yeah, I'm crazy if I don't move forward with this. But my intellectual mind tells me that I should probably sleep on this overnight with such a big investment decision. I said, listen, I want you to sleep on it for two nights. And by Friday at noon will be your deadline to give me an answer. I said, I've got your phone number in here. I'm going to text you and it's got my name in the text. Did you get that? Yes. Great. Now you have confirmed you have my text, my cell phone text number in your contact list. Here's what I want you to do. Anytime between now and Friday at noon Eastern time, here's your options. If you are 99.9% certain or less that you want to move forward and commit to being in the Next Level Mastermind for the next 12 months, then I need you to text me and say, Cliff, thank you for the opportunity to to connect with you. Thank you for the three hours of coaching. You don't have to say all of those things, but just write in this, I'm a no for now. That's it. If you are 99% sure that moving forward is the right decision for you, I want you to text me and say no. Otherwise, if you're absolutely 100% or more committed to being in this group for the next year, then text me yes. I'm in. I'm all in. And he texted me and he was all in. I would not have actually had those things as my qualifiers had I not grown through the experience of bringing somebody on without really making sure that this is a person who's in alignment with the same kind of values that I have and the kind of person I want to be coaching in the world. I want to coach people who have what I consider to be values of of commitment and loyalty and 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 showing up keeping your word these these things mean a lot to me and not necessarily for my benefit but i believe that if they want to succeed in the things that they're hoping to achieve in the world i think they need to actually have some level of value when it comes to keeping their word and living up to commitments and anybody who and in in essence i was thankful to have the client go after 3 months and and i'm i'm just like man I wish I would have caught that earlier. It would be great to have an opportunity to coach this person on this area and to share with him how I think this might affect him making commitments and then breaking his word and stuff like that. And it has nothing to do about how this impacts me, how it affects my life financially and my business. None of that really matters. But I wish I had the opportunity to speak with him one more time to just jump on a call and tell him how this decision 
if, if the, just to say, is this showing up for you in other areas? Are you making commitments in other areas and letting people down? Are you dropping out of things that you said you were going to do? These are things you want to be on the lookout for your life. But I got it. I got the Dear John text message. It's like, Cliff, I'm breaking up with you over text message. And it's very clear. It's like, oh, wow. I certainly, I, I jumped the gun on this. And so that's the meaning that I give to a text like that. So you hear how I'm describing this, how this is of my benefit. What can I learn? How can I grow? Everything's here to serve me. This is going to make me more valuable as a coach moving forward. It's going to help me to make sure that the clients I do bring on are consistent, ongoing clients, that I'm not actually out there you know, doing debt collection and all this <laughs> other stuff in my business that I don't want to be doing. So... That was a, a not-so-short-winded way of saying language is important. How we represent things to ourselves is important. And so with that, I want to share this question, my notes on this question that came in from Ward. One of the things he shared about himself is that he's a Bible teacher and that he's been teaching the Bible his entire life, or he said, all my life. I'm a Bible teacher, been teaching the Bible all my life. Now, I need to really emphasize that right here for just a moment because he's asking for some tips. He's going to ask for some strategies. He's going to ask for some help on how do you maintain a positive mindset? How do you eliminate this restless mind that seems to go back to the negative and draw back into the old experiences? And the reason why I say that is I'm going to give a lot of scriptures here in this episode. So it may seem like, oh my gosh, is, did I come across a Christian Bible preaching podcast? And the answer to that question is no, you have not done that. This is the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. But one of the things that I do as a coach, now I resonate with Ward because I come from a very Christian background, spent more than a decade as a Christian pastor in the Nazarene Church and then in the Church of Christ. And so I come from a very, and I even come from a very fundamentalist background. I come from a very literal translation of every word of the Bible kind of background. I come from an old mindset of the young earth background, answers in general. Genesis ministry is like literally two miles from my house and I help them get their spot. I mean, that's my background. Now I will tell you today, that's I've I've strayed way, 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 way far from my upbringing. But I still have an incredible reverence for the scriptures and more specifically and mostly the teachings of Jesus. But today I am going to bring up, because I'm answering a question of a Bible teacher who's been teaching the Bible his entire life, I'm going to do things that will resonate with his many biblical principles in giving those tips and those helps. All right. So he says, there are many things you say that resonate with biblical principles. It's probably because I've devoted my most of my entire life 
to understanding who God is from the best that I have ha- information that I had available at, to me at the time as far as what I was told was a responsible way to grow in my faith, which had lots of limitations in my early young adult life and stuff like that. I have no such limitations today, but I have a lot of scripture memorized. I have a lot of understanding of the scripture. I've read the Bible many, 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 many times. Nazarene Bible College classes, all of this stuff. I, I, I I know a fair amount about the Bible. I'm not a theologian by any stretch of the imagination, and I could probably be considered to be one who takes a lot of scriptures out of context, and I'm not too concerned about what people think about that either. I'm just going to share with you some scriptures today that will tell you the biblical principles that I believe that will give the tips and the helps and the some of the hints about what's helped me develop an incredibly positive mindset in the midst of some of the craziest things that used to trigger me into the old mindset. All right. He said, so the question I have for you, as I listen, it's like, yeah, okay, fine. It, I can be that at this moment in time. And I think all of us can resonate with that. We all have the ability to hear something that is true that seems to resonate with our beliefs. And it's like, yeah, I like that. I'm going to adopt that. And lo and behold, now I'm going to go back to your language in just a moment, but lo and behold, I'm in this mindset. I feel this. This is true. I'm going to adopt that. I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden, a couple of hours later, I find myself in a pretty negative emotional state. It's just like something occurred. I didn't expect it. And and boom, what happened? <laughs> so here's, here's the thing that um, Ward had said. As I listen, I'm like, yeah, this is great. You know, at this moment in time, here's language. Listen to this language. But it is just so easy to be swept away in the current of life. I'm going to say that again. It is just so easy to be swept away in the current of life. Now, does that language give meaning to our experience of life? Are we saying that life is a rushing river whose current is likely going to pull us underwater? I mean, isn't that what that language leads us to feeling inside, that life has this rushing current, and if I am not consciously doggy paddling, if I'm not consciously putting all my effort into treading this water, if I'm not swimming against the tide, I'm going to be sucked downstream, the current's going to pull me under, I will be swept away by the current of life. Is life a current that we need to fight against so that we can stand our ground, so that we're not swept away? Is it to be believed that life seems to always knock me down or sweep me away every time I get up and stand up and say, man, I'm going to, this is exactly how I want to live my life. I want to be positive and blah, blah, blah. And then next thing you know, it's just so easy to get swept away by the current of life. So the first thing that I want to encourage us to do is to think about the words we use to describe our experience. Now, don't get me wrong. I know exactly what Ward is saying here. 
I certainly can resonate with you. Uh, the, the reality is, is that there are many times that we can be feeling great and then all of a sudden an unexpected and undesired experience or situation comes up in our life. But then, and, and, and it's essentially the same thing, but do you see how my language, I can be feeling fine, I can be thinking great thoughts, and then out of nowhere, occasionally, there seems to be these unexpected and undesired or inconvenient situations that come up in life, and I find myself going back to my old way of thinking. Now, that's how I would describe it. That's the language I would give to that experience. That's the meaning that I would give to that experience. It's not that I'm being swept away. It's that I'm choosing, without consciously knowing it, I'm choosing to lose my focus on the positive, to lose my focus on how I know that I can control my emotional state. I've all of a sudden got everything over here. When things are going great, I feel great, but if something undesired, inconvenient, unexpected comes up, boom, all of a sudden it's like, and he says, holy mackerel, I've got to get my mindset back, he says. And the reality is, is that how you get back is by physiology, focus, and language and meaning in the moment. All of that is going to require some conscious effort and will on your part. There is work to maintain the mindset There's work in the moment. You have to be very consciously aware of your physiology. You have to be consciously aware of what you're focused on. You have to remain consciously aware of the language you are speaking out loud to others, and most importantly, the language you're speaking to yourself, and it's not even audible. It's the questions you're asking yourself that you don't say out loud. What's wrong with me? Why does this always happen to me? Man, I can't catch a break. Those phrases create emotions within us. If you want to figure out how to get your mindset back, you have to learn how to consciously change that language, consciously change that meaning, and get back into what you know to be true. Now, in the long term, how you can actually do that where it doesn't even require any conscious effort at all is for you to begin a practice of rewiring the programming code of your subconscious mind. Our subconscious mind has been accumulating data ever since we were born. And in the first seven years of our life, our brains are in a theta state. And so we are actually just taking in and soaking up and absorbing like a sponge our subconscious mind Anything that anybody says to us as a child for the first seven years, anything our parents say, anything that our peers say, our teachers say, our religious leaders say, we adopt all of that as unquestionable truth, and that's all programming inside of us. But then, if you've ever watched television shows and movies and all this other stuff, we can get into a hypnotic state many times throughout our life. And we are also adopting a lot of things unconsciously there. So if you think about some of your favorite music, our favorite movies, our favorite TV shows, if all of a sudden it shows somebody who is a profitable businessman as being the villain in nine or 10 out of 10 shows or movies that you watch, then chances are your subconscious mind will equate that being wealthy or being profitable as a business owner means that you're stealing money from others. 
And, and you're not even consciously aware that you believe that. And that's just one example of all of this stuff. So what tips, he says, what tips, hints, helps do you have in terms of making this an ongoing process? And then I'm going to peel the Band-Aid off one more time here. This hopefully is a little bit painful to hear this word because the last line, he says, it's just that it's a continual battle, it would seem. Now think about that. It's a continual battle. I want to have a positive mindset. I desire to live my life. I desire to have a place where I show up always from a place of peace. I desire to have joy overflowing so that people just sense that peace and joy overflowing from me and it flows into their life. I desire to be that. But I get swept away in the current of life and I find myself asking, oh my gosh, how do I get this mindset back? And it just seems like a continual battle. I'm walking on landmines everywhere I go. It seems like around every corner, I'm going to be faced with more gunfire. This is the language that was in the question, which will help understand why this experience of dropping back in because our subconscious mind is communicating. I believe that life brings a current that's consistently, if I'm not fighting a battle of holding my ground or making steps forward, then I will get swept under and I will drown from the current of life. So language, 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 language. All right. So I do want to give some tips. I do want to give some hints and I want to give some helps. And given the fact that, again, I am actually speaking to a Bible teacher who's been teaching the Bible all his life, I want to share some Bible verses that have helped me. Tip number one that I want to give, and I've already done it here, is evaluate what your mental pictures reveal about your unconscious beliefs about life. So tip number one, if you wanted to write this out, evaluate what your mental pictures reveal about your unconscious beliefs about life. Work on that. And if you need some help, you could get help with a coach. You could get into a mastermind group of other people who are very successful in carrying on a powerful mindset. Matter of fact, that's one of the things that's really helped me just surrounding myself with people who consistently have this positive mindset in spite of all the things I see them go through, medical things and and things of that nature. Some of the people that I can tell you that have been the most influential when it comes to mindset would be Michael Hyatt and Dan Miller. Dan Miller's author of the book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. You can find him at 48days.com. Michael Hyatt, New York Times bestselling author, money times over, michaelhyatt.com. All right, so tip number two, two powerful beliefs for somebody who has a respect for the Bible. Belief number one, I would encourage you to consider, is it possible for you to adopt this belief? It is possible that you can be in control of your thought life and your emotional life experience, aka your mindset, and that doing so does not have to be a battle. It simply requires the mastery of a few key skills. I'm going to encourage you to ask yourself, is it possible that you can be in control of your thought life and emotional life? 
and that doing so does not have to be a battle at all, and that it simply requires mastery of a few key skills. I've already indicated some of those skills. Mastering the skill of being in control, conscious awareness of your physiology, how you're using your body in any given moment. Mastering the skill of what you're focused on. And then mastering the skill of what we call framing. So I've talked about language. I've talked about the language indicates the meaning that we're associating to any circumstance or situation in our life. And another word of this is how we frame it. There's a skill called framing, reframing, deframing, preframing. These are skills that you can learn about and you can master. But first, before you get into that, you have to adopt this belief. Belief number one for a Bible teacher would be, it is possible that you can be in control of your emotional life and your thought life and that it's not going to be a battle and it's just a few key skills. If you believe that, then the next thing that I will tell you is belief number two you might want to adopt. Believe that it's not only possible, but it's actually God's will for us to be in control of our mindset, our thought life, and our emotional life. Now, how can I encourage you in adoption of the belief that it's not only possible to be in control of your mindset, but it's actually God's will for you? Well, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So I don't know how much I might be misinterpreting that situation, but it does seem to indicate that no matter what the circumstance, because it says in all circumstances, give thanks, be filled with gratitude, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Then we have in Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, we read things like, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about your body. Don't worry about what you will wear. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And he talks about how God takes care of everything else. And he's basically saying, so do not worry. Jesus said it over and over again. Do not worry. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then we have Philippians 4, 6, and we read, do not be anxious or worried or fearful. But anyway, it says anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition or communication with God, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in communication with God, with thankfulness, gratitude, present everything to God. Have a conversation with him. So belief number one, it's possible. Few key skills. It's not a battle. Belief number two, it's not only possible, but it's actually God's will for us to be in consistent, constant control of our thought life and our emotional life. It is what we're called to do, and in fact, it's very much a key part of what we call the good news, is that we have this ability. All right, tip number three, focus on the positive. So even if I'm looking at the situation that is quote unquote unexpected, 
I'm looking at the situation that is undesirable. <laughs> it's inconvenient. And I'm carefully using words that are soft on the feeling side of how that impacts me. So that's all those things are. They're unexpected, they're undesirable, and they're inconvenient. I've never experienced anything in my life that is anything worse than that, other than if I actually give it words to associate heftier meanings. And yes, I'm talking about even the most challenging situations of life. It's unexpected, it's undesirable, and or it's inconvenient. Those are powerful words to describe anything that you might not have wanted to come up into your experience of life, but it did. But focus on the positive. What does this make possible? What? How is this going to cause me to grow? Where is there a place that I get an opportunity to serve here that I might not have seen as an opportunity in the past? How am I going to grow through this? How is this story going to help me to resonate with others who believe that there's no way I can understand what they're going through? But when I'm able to tell this story and how I got through it, they're like, wow, okay, I believe you. I want to listen to you. Building rapport. So focus on the positive. Now, again, coming from a scriptural perspective, we are encouraged to marinate our minds in positive thoughts. You might want to write that down. Marinate your mind in positive thoughts. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It would indicate here from a biblical perspective that we are encouraged to control what we think about, marinate our minds in the positive. Then we have 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. In essence, aren't we seeing here that demolishing every argument and every pretension, where do those come up? Those are those thoughts. This is terrible. This is horrible. I never catch a break. Why does this always happen to me? Those are arguments and pretensions that are working against you. Those thoughts are not your thoughts. You may have been led to believe that's you thinking those thoughts. They are not your thoughts. They are arguments and pretensions that sent them up against the knowledge of God, which the knowledge of God will clearly tell you that there's nothing to worry about that you could actually experience joy all of the time. Marinate your mind in positive thoughts. That's tip number three. Now, I'm going to actually give you tips within tip number three for focusing on a positive mind. Number one, I would encourage adoption of absolute faith and frequent, consistent communication with God. You might call it prayer, you might call it meditation, or various other forms of communication, but absolute faith and frequent, consistent communication with God, if that is a genuine experience, then you'll find power there, you'll find a peace that surpasses all understanding that can be maintained no matter what unexpected, undesirable, and inconvenient circumstances may come your way. In Mark 
chapter 1, verse 35, we're told that Jesus had this practice. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed, where he sat in meditation, where he sat in communication with his father, who he is one with, his union with God. He comes out. He's so excited. He's like, I only do what I see the father doing. When does he see the father doing things? In his time of prayer and meditation. He only says the things he hears his father saying. Well, where does he hear these things? When he's in prayer and meditation. And it's not only in early in the morning while it was still dark that he gets up and does this thing. There are many other scriptures that talks about that the disciples, after being thronged with large crowds, they set a boat out to go to a solitary place to be away from the crowds. And he taught his disciples to sit in quiet prayer and meditation. He taught solitude, quietness, and to go inside and be one with the Father as he is one. He prayed, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. In fact, I don't have this I don't have this written into my notes, but there's this section of the scriptures where Jesus sends out his disciples to go minister out to the various towns and villages on their own, two by two. He says, I want you to hear my voice in your time of prayer in the morning. So go and look this up. You'll see Jesus, what he said to his disciples as he sent them on their way. It's that same scripture where he says, don't worry about what you will say if you're arrested, how you will defend yourselves. The words will be given to you. He says, when you are in your time alone, because he's taught them how to meditate and pray, Hey, I'm breaking in here because I wanted to actually look this up and make sure that I have on record within this episode exactly what scripture I was talking about. And this is found in Matthew chapter 10, and I'll start with verse 19. He says, but when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Now, he goes on to say some other things, to give some other instructions to explain what they might face. But down in verse 26 of chapter 10, he says, do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. And verse 27 is the key. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Now, Jesus is not going to be physically with them, but he seems to be indicating when you're out there, you're going to be practicing that meditation. This is my interpretation, by the way. This is close interpretation of the Bible. Take it for what you will. But when you're out there two by two, I want you to remain in the practice of prayer and meditation as I've taught you. I encourage you to get up early in the morning in the dark. All right. So when you're doing that, I will, I and the father are one. So I will be speaking to you. I will be giving you instructions. Again, Jesus not physically with them. He's saying, I will be speaking to you even though I'm not physically there. In meditation, 
I and the Father who are one, we will give you instructions. We will speak to you in the dark, in that time of meditation. And what we speak to you, what I speak to you in the dark, I want you to speak that in the daylight. And then as you go through your day, throughout your day, listen for my voice. I will be whispering in your ear. So, that's the scripture that I was referring to. You will hear my voice. I will be one with you. You will you have a direct in a way psychic connection to me and my well I won't go into more metaphysical and esoterical stuff than that other than to say they can hear his voice. It's clear that he communicates you're going to hear my voice. And he also says not only will you hear my voice and get instructions for the day in your time alone, in your oneness with me and the Father. However, you will also, in the moment, in the daytime, when engaged with people or officials who may even try to arrest you, you follow the whispers. Follow the whispers, the intuitive communication from within you. Words will be given you. You will be divinely inspired of what to say, how to think, all of these things. Anyway, some other thing, tips for focusing on the positive. I ta- mentioned just briefly earlier, keep a gratitude journal. This is a journal that is literally a bullet point list of things to be thankful for. This is a separate journal from your journal where you journal about what you experienced today and you're evaluating the day or what's coming up and you're making plans. This is different than a prayer journal. This is a gratitude journal. It's literally nothing more than a bullet point. I am incredibly thankful that the sun came up again today and I had the opportunity to witness that sunrise. I am thankful for the house that I have. I am thankful for the heating system that works without flaw during this cold night when it was 12 degrees. I am incredibly thankful for the reliable car that helped me get to the gym safely this morning. I, I mean, you just, you could just, just bullet point that thing out over and over again. Fill up hundreds and hundreds of books of gratitude journals. All right, next one. Turn off the, <laughs> the rushing current of negative thoughts. Stop the flow, the current of life. It, he, Jesus actually, what is it? Psalms 20, is it Psalms 23? He leads me beside raging currents of life. Nope, that's not what I hear. I hear that the shepherd leads us to still waters. What causes the rushing currents of life? It's not our shepherd. What causes the rushing current of life is the rushing current of negative thinking and negative feeling, which is prompted by news media outlets, by movies, by televisions, by negative people that we let influence our lives. A lot of people telling and focusing on their negative stories. It's just a bombardment. We need to shut off the flow of the negativity into our life. Another tip for focusing on the positive, affirmations. Go back and listen to episode 673 of the Mindset Answer Man, or actually the Cliff Ravenscraft Show podcast. I should rename my podcast to the Mindset Answer Man podcast. Anyway, mindsetanswerman.com slash 673 to learn more about affirmations. Another tip for focusing on the positive, it might be time to upgrade your peer group. It might be time to do life with other people who habitually 
have control over their thoughts and their emotions, who are consistently working these things out on a daily basis, experiencing a life that is in alignment with the teachings of Jesus, whether those people are Christians or not. For example, I have two paid mastermind groups called the Next Level Mastermind. Not everyone in my groups are Christians. In fact, there's one or two atheists among the groups. But you know what? They all have this ability to see the positive side of life. I would encourage you to upgrade your peer group. If you're not familiar with the mastermind principle, Jesus kind of talked about it. It says, whenever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst, and they could ask anything that they want, and anything they ask for will be granted to them. It's an incredible principle called the mastermind principle. It's way more powerful than anybody really recognizes until you fully experience it. And so if you want to learn more about that, I have an entire podcast at UpgradeYourPeerGroup.com. Again, that's UpgradeYourPeerGroup.com. And then, of course, I just briefly mentioned about this language and meaning that we associate to things. I would encourage you just to go out and look into some psychology books and materials and learn about the art of framing and reframing and deframing and pre-framing. How you see life, it's all about perception and you can change your perception in a heartbeat. Then tip number four, decide to go on an adventure in search of the hidden treasure of the peace that surpasses all understanding. I wrote these down in my notes in preparing for this. And this is what I've come to understand. This is my own personal belief system here. Peace is never going to be found in a fully funded retirement fund. Peace is not found in any emergency fund. I don't care if you've got six months, 12 months, 18 months, six years of an emergency fund. Peace will not be found in your emergency fund. Peace will not be found in any amount of money, in any amount of bank accounts that you have. Peace is not found in a paid-off home mortgage and living a debt-free lifestyle. Peace is not found by any measure of financial wealth or business success. Peace is not found in our health or our physical fitness levels. Peace is not found in any relationship with any person on this planet. Peace is not found in the pursuit of anything material. And then all I have here, and I, because I did, I, I ran out of time and I wasn't actually preparing to actually record this today, but I was going to, I said, I need to add something about Philippians 4, 4 through 7. And so I recognize listening to this podcast, there's going to be many people who are not Christians. So I'll just go and quickly look up this. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious, but in every situation with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's the key in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart, your emotions, and your mind, and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. Now, the whole idea of transcendence Send, it means putting an end to the trance. And the trance is all of the hypnotic rhythm, garbage programming, and thoughts that brought in the currents of life 
through our unconscious adoption of other people's beliefs. That's how I will describe that, and I'll, I'll just move on from there. So I'm going to close this. I've got to go back over and find my notes. The next one is, I need to go back to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. Well, I'll just put especially this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given. So Jesus was telling his disciples, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you'll drink. Don't worry about where you're, don't worry about how payroll is going to come. You're going to meet payroll. Don't worry about where your next client's going to come from. Don't worry about your, you know, don't worry about these. Not necessarily that you don't plan, that you don't take actions, that you don't do things. You do things. Whenever you feel led and inspired and prompted to do, do them. Just don't associate worry with them. Do them with thankfulness. Do them with expectation. Do them with gladness. Do them with gratitude. And recognize that peace, love, and joy isn't in your success or failure or anything like that. He says, if you seek first his kingdom, then all of these things will be given to you. And then if we look at Luke chapter 17 through 21, and I'm going to go find that one here because, again, I I didn't finish these notes before doing this live in front of a clubhouse audience. It says here, once he was asked by the, he being Jesus, was asked by the Pharisees, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus says, let me tell you something, my friends. I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit. Jesus said, let me tell you, my friends, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something you're ever going to see. You just won't. You will not be able to observe the coming kingdom of God. Nobody's going to be able to say, oh my gosh, the kingdom of God, here it is, or there it is. It's not going to happen like that. Jesus said the reason why is because, and here's his quote, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, if you're looking at the NIV, I would encourage you to look at the footnote for Luke 17:21 or look up the King James version which is a translation that's more in line with the original intent of what Jesus said here's what Jesus is actually saying nobody's going to be able to tell you when the kingdom is going to come nobody's going to say here it is or there it is or anything like that cuz let me tell you something the secret of the kingdom of God is this the kingdom of God is within you within yourself. It is through prayer and it's within meditation that you will experience union, oneness with the Father. And it is there where you will find the source of the peace that surpasses all understanding and it will end the trance or transcend. That's the peace that transcends all understanding. Now, what does it mean, understanding? It's the peace that transcends all people's thoughts about how the world works and how the world ought to be. It's the peace that actually helps you understand what's going on. It can be found within you. Now, I will tell you, there is so much more that I could share on this. And I could get really metaphysical and I could go into esoterical things, but then I'd be labeled a heretic, which by the way, if you go to Encouraging Others Through Christ, episode number, it's by the way, encouragingotherstroughchrist.com and episode number 136 of the 
Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast, if you've ever asked yourself, gosh, sure does seem like Cliff is a heretic. Episode number 136 of Encouraging Others Through Christ, the title of that episode is Am I a Heretic? And spoiler alert, the answer is yes. So those are my tips, thoughts, strategies, hints, and stuff like that. Ward is here in Clubhouse. Ward, has any of this been of benefit to you or uh, what are you thinking? Let me uh, unmute you. Yeah, so uh, first of all, thank you. This is uh, very good, very thorough. I've got uh, two full pages of notes here. And uh, so so this is good. So as I have listened to you, I mean, you're not going to be surprised when I say to you, okay, I'll, a lot of this I know. So, I mean, obviously, if, if I... If I wasn't a Bible teacher, or if I said I was a Bible teacher and didn't know it, then you'd say, man, there's something wrong with you. But as I have looked through here, I made a couple of, I put a couple of asterisks. And it would seem to me that, that well, <laughs> by the way, listening to my own words, it's like, oh, man, you know. I mean, the scriptures say that we're going to be judged for every word, right? Now, I, I, these are not words to judge me. Yeah, maybe they are. But there, there are know, certainly when, words that you're judging yourself with, though. There are words that actually, I believe, there, I don't know if this is a scripture. I'm pretty sure this is a scripture reference, that the power of life and death rolls off our tongues. Are you familiar with that? I don't think that's actually a verse, but maybe it's in some translation. Okay, I'm pretty sure it's there, and I could look it up. Hey, I am breaking in once again, looking up something after the fact, and I'm not doing this to be argumentative with Ward. I mean, there are certainly things that I, I can't remember. Is it in the Bible, or is it something that somebody has just said so many times that I, and I feel like it's been associated with something that's in the Bible that I think that it's in the Bible? And so I wasn't absolutely for sure, but I felt pretty confident, and I wanted to come back and tell you that it's Proverbs 1821. In the NIV translation of the Bible, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And then King James Version says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You know, that's why it says, listen, you shouldn't say to your brother, even Raka or whatever. It's like, you know, the, the, we have the power of life and death. We can speak life and death and we can speak life and death to ourselves. And so if I say my experience of life, this is what I believe to, to be true. I believe life is a rushing current that seems to sweep me under every time I seem to get things going, then I get swept under again. And it seems to be a constant battle. Those are words and those words, that language, that framing, creates a reality which is true for you. Yeah, uh, and I don't disagree with you at all. And, I mean, the way that you highlighted it was excellent. So, so the, the challenge that I have is, um, uh, I mean, this is... So I, I think I said this back in my original question. There are plenty of times when, depending upon the circumstance, when I have faced a circumstance many times where I am able to do this. So just a little bit of transparency, just kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit. 
what's happened is, and this is all kind of related to COVID and other things like that, is that I'm in a different stage of life in that I have a special needs brother that I am the caregiver for. And as a result of COVID, my wife has had some very serious health issues. And so I've become a caregiver for her. So, you know, here I am in my late 60s facing some situations that I've never faced before. And, you know, look, when everything is up and to the right and life's good, it's like, yeah, I mean, the challenges aren't as hard. And I faced huge financial challenges. I faced ministry challenges. This is a new challenge. And it would seem that the toolbox that I have is being informed by what you just identified. And all of a sudden, even as I pray, and I'm sure you pray, I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to continue to grow. And so now God has put me or allowed me to be in this situation. So that the challenge that I'm having is applying these principles in a new context. And it, it pretty clear to me, Cliff, that this is habitual with you. And I guess I would say that it's habitual in some areas, but not others. And so I do need some rewiring. And I, I wouldn't disagree with any of the principles that you laid out, none of them. So I've got to rewire. And especially when you said, okay, uh, when you said it is possible that I can be in control of my mindset and my emotional life. Agree a hundred percent. No, I mean one hundred and ten percent. But then the second part of it was like a slap in the face, and it doesn't have to be a battle. And I don't know that I have ever had that as a mindset. That's the key. So that's the trance that you were. So are you familiar with what a trance is? I mean. Uh, uh, a trance in the sense of somebody like getting a vision or something like that? No. A tra- so maybe you've heard of a hypnotic trance. Sure. So, right. so you, have you ever been to a, I don't know if being from your perspective, if you would go to a, a comedy show where a stage performer is actually doing stage hypnosis, have you ever been to a comedy show? I, no, I never have. Okay. Well, have you ever heard of these situations where you get somebody out there, they have the skill of putting people into a hypnotic state on stage, they get a gun, uh, they get a bunch of kids from college up there and they put them in a hypnotic state and then in that hypnotic state, they use the art of suggestion to suggest that you are a dog. It's very clear that these people are doing things that they would not consciously choose to do. Right. But they right. are in a trance and their belief that they have accepted because in a tran- in a deep trance state they actually are not I think it's the prefrontal cortex which is where the reasoning mind is where the critical thinking is where you can right. reject a thought but if you are in a right. deep trance you don't reject the thought it just gets put into your programming code that, by the way that happens in the first 7 years of our life we were actually in that trance state where if we're told that we're a dog I mean you've got people that that have they grew up being a slave and and held captive in a dark room their entire life. You've heard stories like this. It's unfortunate, right? but you've heard these stories, right? Sure. sure. And they believe that that's how life ought to be. That's what life is. 
because they they adopted that belief before they had the critical thinking capacity to to reject it. So what happens is you get the the stage hypnosis gets up the, or hypnotist gets up there and says you're a dog, and they get out of the chair and they're barking and they're walking you know walking around on all fours and they get then a girl and she's clucking like a chicken and, and you know these people are not making this up. This is actually how our subconscious mind works. What we believe internally will be our experience of life. We will live out our life according to that. So the whole idea, when you heard me read back the words, you, you probably weren't even aware when you asked the question last week, it seems like a constant battle. But yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have said oh I said that, but yeah, you're right. It did absolutely exactly. And so what happened is it, what what we uncovered there, and what I revealed to you is that you have an unconscious belief, or at least you did prior to this conversation. You might have transcended that belief by this conversation today, by having that unconsciously belief revealed to you, and you're like, wait. I, I reject that. Well, it's great. Now you've transcended it. So that you've ended the trance of that belief. Does that make sense now? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's what this whole idea of transcending is. And so we all have these unconscious beliefs. We all are experiencing. And, and so that's where all of a sudden you can adopt these affirmations that I talk about in episode 673 and I share on these clubhouse things. And you can adopt those, those beliefs and stuff like that. And you can feel great. And then all of a sudden the next unexpected, undesirable or inconvenient circumstance happens. And then all of a sudden, boom, you trigger some other unconscious beliefs within you that are causing you to experience the suffering. So, for example, you have a special needs brother and you have your wife with these medical conditions. And what I can tell you is you have, and, and, and this isn't anything negative. I, by the way, I'm still unaware of at least 80% of the beliefs that control my life. A minimum of 80% of the beliefs that control my experience of life, I'm not even consciously aware of them yet. Mm. All right? So what I can tell you is that you definitely have some conscious, unconscious beliefs about how you feel life ought to be when it comes to your relationship with your wife in this season of life and your situation with your brother in this season of life. And so what happens is you currently have life conditions that don't equal your expectations or your beliefs about how you believe those situations should be right now. And and so Tony Robbins talks about the formula for happiness. So if you are the formula for peace if you will. And so if you want if you want to experience peace, life conditions have to equal your blueprint or your model of the world or your expectations or how you believe the world ought to be. All of those different things that I just said are basically different phrases for the same thing. Did that make sense? Yeah, it does. All right. So your life conditions have to equal your beliefs or expectations or the way you believe things ought to be for you to experience peace. And so if you are in a situation where you're at where you're not at peace with the situation with your brother, where you're not at peace with the situation with your wife, then you need to either change the life circumstances or you need to change your beliefs. Yeah, makes sense. 
So how do you uncover the, the, I mean, you obviously have uncovered a great belief or wrong belief for me. How do you go about uncovering the other ones? It's through conversations. So what I can tell you for me, where I've gone, I have mentors in my life that I look up to that, that, like I said, I, these people seem to be experienced like, you know, I, you know, Dan Miller had experienced some pretty significant medical issues recently, you know, in the recent past, he's doing really well right now, but he experienced some pretty significant issues. And, you know, he also had his mother-in-law pass away and he's also experienced some other, I mean, I just know a lot of things that have happened in Dan's life that would typically cause most people to be paralyzed in the moment where it's just quote and the phrase that I would use is that it just doesn't phase him the way it phases other people and what I mean that by that is it's his peace is unshakable that's that's the way that I would describe it and so and there are several people in my life that I've recognized that man they seem to have an unshakable peace and I want to learn from them. So one of the things that I will tell you is that how do I discover unconscious beliefs? You, if you listen to, I think, let me go to UpgradeYourPeerGroup.com. Episode four of the Upgrade Your Peer Group podcast is called The Story of My First Paid Mastermind Group. So in there, I'm going to, if you don't mind, Ward, um, can you self-mute because my audio is coming back to me when I'm talking? And just unmute yourself when you want to come back in. Thank you so much. So in episode four, I tell the story of how I went to Dan Miller and said, Dan, you're going to be so proud of me. As my mentor, I cannot wait. I'm so excited to share this wonderful information with you. I've recently been in a conversation with a client of mine. He is a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. And he gave me some valuable advice. He says, Cliff, you want to know what's missing in your business? And I said, what's that? He said, recurring revenue. And I'm like, tell me more. And he, he gave, it's like, oh my gosh. So I decided I'm going to create a new stream of income for recurring, ongoing, expected income every month consistently that I don't have to be out selling and selling and selling over and over again every time a client uh, has finished with their commitment with me. I, I'm going to create a $10,000 stream of income and I decided to do it instead of a typical me- uh, membership program, I figure I'm going to find 100 people to pay me $100 a month and that's $10,000 a month. It'll be recurring revenue and I said I'm going to, and how I'm going to do it is through mastermind groups. Now, the reason why I thought he'd be super proud of me is because he introduced me to the principle of the mastermind group and and convinced me of its value and so I began to do that every week and and it radically tr- was transforming my life and so what happened was I went to Dan Miller and I said Dan I'm super excited. I'm going to have 10 groups because I don't believe that a group should ever have more than 10 people, or, you know, 12 max, but about approximately 10. I'm going to do 10 groups of 10 people. Each group is going to meet twice a month and it's just going to be awesome. And uh, yeah, so, so that's what I told him. And he says, Cliff, I think that's a horrible idea. And I'm like, what? And he says, yeah, that's a horrible idea. He says, your goal is to build in a stream of revenue, recurring revenue of $10,000 a month, and you want to do it through Mastermind Group, right? Yes. He says, why don't you just find 10 people to pay you $1,000? And I said, 
there's no way anybody's going to pay me $1,000. Now, Ward, that was an unconscious belief about my value and my understanding of the value of a mastermind group. Now, what I can tell you is that in spite of what he had revealed to me as a limiting belief, I went and started multiple mastermind groups at $100 per person. And after two years, I shut them all down because it burned me out, much like Dan had suggested it might likely do. Well, in November of 2017, I started the next level mastermind groups, two of them with up to 12 people per group. And since then, People have paid a minimum of $1,000 per month, one-year commitment minimum, and in four years, I've generated nearly $1 million in revenue. So that's one example of where I've been in a conversation with a mentor. All right, so another one is in a mastermind group. I remember going to my mastermind group and saying, guys, I'm thinking about raising my rates from $150 an hour to $200 an hour. My mastermind group says, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, what? Here, if anything, I thought you guys would be my greatest support. They said, no, Cliff, you can't do that. You have to double your rates. You must change your rates to $300 an hour. Now, again, please understand, they they asked me lots of clarifying questions. They asked me what my situation was. I was booked like six to eight weeks in advance, booked solid. I couldn't take on any more clients. And I just wanted to raise my rates because I was, I was working a lot. And I'm like, listen, I just, as much as I'm working, I feel like I should have a little bit more of a financial return on this. What happened was they're like, Cliff, double your rates. Now, they attempted during that 60-minute conversation to convince me to go to $300. Well, if anything, what they did is they actually certainly made me feel super confident in $200, but I had unconscious beliefs that I still needed to deal with, Ward, because I did not believe that I could pull off $300 an hour. I believed that I could go from $150 to $200. I was actually a little bit concerned about whether or not I could go to $200, before going into that conversation, but then they actually said, no, Cliff, you should do 300, which made, gave me all the confidence I needed or the courage to raise my rates to 200, but not to 300. Now, what happened was I raised my rates to 200, and I'm still booked six to eight weeks in advance, and I'm still at a situation where I'm not, I mean, it's $50 more per hour. It's not a massive, significant change, and it didn't really change anything. Then I read an article by Peter Schallard titled Seven Reasons Why People Want to Pay You More and Seven Reasons Why Doubling Your Rates Doubles Your Success. I then read that and it radically changed my beliefs and it revealed to me many unconscious beliefs about adding value to people's lives. Now, it took me 20 minutes to read that article with those seven reasons and Instantly after reading that article, my next person who said, Cliff, how much is your package? I said, well, it's four weeks of two-hour calls. So it's a two-hour call once a week for four weeks. And they said, well, how much is it? And I said, it's $300 per hour. Instantly, that person said yes. And so what happened was my rates pretty much essentially doubled from a couple weeks earlier. So again, that's another experience where my mastermind group is helping me see. Matter of fact, Mark Mason, who's in my mastermind group, said, Cliff, you wanna know what your issue is? He said, you you are a millionaire person with a $100,000 mindset. You are a millionaire with a 
$100,000 mindset. And so you are consistently doing things to only generate about $100,000 a year. That's your problem. After that, I took all of that and I went in search of my beliefs related to money, began to have conversations with my mentors about money and pricing. And it was because of that that I got led to that article. It's like, here, Cliff, read this. This will give you some new beliefs to chew on. By the way, if anybody wants to see that, it's not my article, but if you go to mindsetanswerman.com slash double your rates, all one word, it's again, mindsetanswerman.com slash double your rates. You can read that article to see what changed my mind there. So Ward, I will tell you, for me, it's mentors that I have conversations with. It's a mastermind group that I meet with weekly that I have conversations with. It's coaches that I hire to ask me questions. And by the way, when I coach somebody and I begin a coaching relationship, that one of the first questions I ask them, may I have permission to be your coach? And they usually jump at the answer and say, yes. I said, whoa, 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 hold on. Let me tell you what I'm asking for. I'm asking for permission to ask you questions and also to say things to you that will challenge you at the deepest level. And in fact, what I do as a coach is I absolutely listen to people's language and I actually mirror it back to them and say, hmm, did you know that you said this? I didn't say that. I've got a transcript running. Let me pull it up here and I'll show you as I share my screen. I'm live transcribing this. I promise you, I did not type this. It only typed up by default, transcribed what you spoke when you spoke it. And if we go back three minutes ago, you said this. Oh my gosh, I did say that. Ward, does that answer your question of how to find these unconscious beliefs? It does. Yeah. And, and it's actually encouraging. I mean, you're being transparent too. And I mean, it's great to hear your struggle and, um, I mean, it's good. I mean, it's all good stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you pointed me in the right direction. So obviously it's a journey and you know, my situation and needs are different, but I mean, it's, Again, I resonate with the whole issue of mindset, and there are plenty of areas where biblically I get it and I understand it, but as it relates to some of these other areas, and by the way, so I mean, I grew up in a dysfunctional home, and I'm certain that some of these core beliefs come all the way from that, too. There's yeah. no question that they go all the way to that. Word, you mentioned the fact that, Cliff, it seems to me that this is a habitual thing for you, like you're a habitually positive person. Is that what I heard you saying? By the way, I agree with it if it was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have a note there. Yeah. I, Cliff Ravenscraft is a habitually positive person. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to UpgradeYourPeerGroup.com, and I want you to listen to episode one, and you'll recognize that I have not always been a habitually positive person. I used to be in a habitually, incredibly negative mindset person. I used to believe that life is always knocking me down. I used to I I used to give the most terrible meanings to everything. Like my first year in business, I talk about it's very clear in episode 1 of Upgrade Your Peer Group. I talk about the fact that I worked around the clock 12 14 hours a day, 7 days a week for 9 months without ever taking a day off. And then I took Sundays off. And then I only did that by increasing the number of hours I worked the other days of the week. And I got to tell you, I had the work, I, prior to starting my own business, 
I the only time I ever had quote unquote depressing thoughts was around Thanksgiving and Christmas time when I dealt dealt with my biological dad, which you talk about a, a dysfunctional family. My biological dad, from the time I was born until he died in May of 2015, he was a drug addict and an alcoholic. And I've been through I've had knives held to my neck. I've watched guns pointed to people's heads. I, I've I've experienced some pretty interesting things growing up with my dad. And throughout my young adult life with him, my relationship was very embarrassing uh, for the most part. And I got to tell you, I I used to have the most horrible language to describe all of the experiences with my dad. And he passed away in 2015. And I got to tell you, this shift in my habitual way of thinking and feeling, this did not happen for me until 2000. Actually, it was right after that. It was, it was right after that that I began to shift. Uh, I was already experiencing some tremendous change in my physical health. You know, it was a process. I lost 100 pounds as a result of some things that I learned about my mindset when it comes to my physical health and some unconscious beliefs that I had there in working out. But then I began to study this work of Tony Robbins, and it's only through that. And what I can tell you, Ward, is everything that I, I, I can tell you right now, there have been a number of times where I wouldn't say it publicly a lot, but on occasionally, I would say the biggest thing that I regret in my life that as a Christian, I can't seem to overcome my deep hatred for my father. I absolutely hate my dad, and I feel guilty about it, and I feel shame, ashamed of it. And and I every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, I'm the only I'm the only direct relative of my father. He's got second cousins, great aunts, and all this other stuff that that are in his life. I'm I'm his only son. My mom divorced him when I was four years old. I'm his only living relative, and he's got lots of medical issues. He's in the hospital, and I got to tell you, I don't like being around him. I don't want to go see him. I hate the guy. And that was my experience. And and gosh, if the if he called, if I saw his caller ID, I would miss, I could be having the most amazing day in the world. And if I see my dad on caller ID, of course I'm not going to answer it, but I know I'm going to have to listen to that voicemail later. And instantly, my life went from great joy to instant suffering. All of that, by the way, I didn't learn until afterwards. I created within myself. And what I can tell you, Ward, is this. My dad passed away before I had all of this revelation and all this other experience of of these deep truths of Jesus' teaching, even though I had been preaching for a decade prior to all of that. There is knowing, and then there is the deep experience and, and the practice of these things. And so, for me... What happened was after I learned all of this stuff, I was able to retroactively go back and dig into through deep meditation and journaling all of those experiences, the ones where my dad told the bank teller, she says, hey, uh, what do you need? And he says, yeah, send me all of your unmarked bills. And the FBI comes to the bank teller drive-thru. I went back to every restaurant where my dad sent back and cussed, cussed out the wait staff and, and said, I want to see your manager. And, and, he, and he cussed out the manager right there. And here I am, you know, 13, 14 years old. 
I went back to the situation where my dad's sitting there doing drugs with all of his buddies and and his friends holding a knife to my neck, threatening to kill me if I actually walk out the door. I went through all of those experiences, Ward, and I reframed every single one of them and saw each of them for the gift that they were and how those situations, those circumstances created within me a way of actually being a parent and a father that has radically transformed. Not only that, but there's this there's this key thing of understanding and appreciating someone else's world. And one of the things that I never took notice of is the fact that when my dad was a teenager, his parents died. And he, of course, is, you know, he's a teenager in the 60s, and everybody's experiencing, dr- experimenting with drugs and all this other stuff. And of course, he's hanging out, he joins the army, and he's part of the army, and they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff in the army. And next thing you know, he gets out of the army, and he gets my mom pregnant, they get married, and now he's got a little kid. Wasn't I wasn't expected. I wasn't something that they planned for. And here you go. I've got now my dad's addicted to alcohol. He's addicted to drugs. And you know what? I, I, I go through and I all of a sudden I realized I had always easily remembered all of the quote unquote traumatic experiences that I had with my dad. Which, of course, allowed me to have his feelings of, I really hate him. I don't want to be around him. But it wasn't until after he passed and I went back and reframed all of this stuff that, number one, I actually realized that I had repressed all of the positive memories. You know, some people repress their traumatic experiences. But I recognized that I had repressed all of the great experiences that I had with my dad. So I began to journal about my relationship with my dad where I would only focus on the things that were good, that my dad did that was that was praiseworthy, whatever is good and noble and true, right? All of those things, think on these things. And so I began, it's like, man, I remember when my dad was struggling to make ends meet and he invited me to come over and stay at his apartment in, in Clifton. I remember the time when he got a motorcycle and he took me out and I'll never forget the wind on our back. I remember the time when he used to take me to Kings Island every year. I remember that when I first dated the first girl I ever dated, my dad came and picked me up and then drove to Batavia, Ohio, which is about an hour and a half away, to meet this girl that I had been talking to. He picks me up, goes and picks her up, and my dad takes me to Kings Island Amusement Park for my first date and pays for the whole thing. And what an incredible experience with that. And then when I was 16 years old and I've got my driver's permit and he's got his five-speed Honda Civic and I remember him teaching me how to drive a stick shift. And I remember when I got my very first Saturn SL1 car, with, which by the way was a stick shift and I was super excited about this purchase. I had gotten a job and I'm doing really well and very successful at doing what I'm doing. He's working at the post office. He invites me to come to the uh, the postal softball game that they're doing and he introduces me and he says, and look at my son's car and he's so proud. And I mean, it's just, I could go on and on and on and I did in my journaling, my gratitude journaling. There were so many things and there was this one time when my dad had a psychotic nervous breakdown and he says, Cliff, I want you to know, I know I've not always been there for you. I know I've messed up. I've not been a great example for you. I am so sorry and I want you to know that I love you and I hope that you will forgive me. 
And I, my heart by that time, by the way, I was, this, I was probably, this is about three years before he died. My heart was so callous that I didn't even respond to him, Lord. I, it's just, I, I hated the fact that I was actually in the room with him when he said that. But I heard the words, but I repressed that. And it didn't come back to me until, you know, months after he died, after I learned about this, what's called the Dickens process. Tony Robbins talk about, talks about the Dickens process. And it's referring to the whole Ebenezer Scrooge. You got the ghost of, you got the ghost of Christmas past and the ghost of Christmas present and the ghost of Christmas future. And so what I did is I went into the past and I saw things that I didn't see before, just like Ebenezer did. And it's like, I was able to reframe my experiences. And then I'm like, well, I can't, well, what do I do with all of this traumatic stuff? And then all of a sudden, word, what really radically shifted everything and why I absolutely love every experience I ever had with my dad. And that is this. I can tell you right now that if I had the environment and the experiences Exactly, if I was faced with exactly what my dad was faced with when he was faced with those things, I can see how it would have been very easy for me to make the exact same decisions that he made. That I likely, he, and and so what I came away with is in spite of what my dad's experience was and how he was as a father for me and in the environments I grew up with, I know now that my dad always did the best with what he had to work with. And I got to tell you right now, I my, my experience with my dad, I, I, I have, I, I mean, I don't have any regrets because I don't believe in regrets and I don't have any shame because I don't believe in shame. But I can tell you right now, I have an incredibly powerful relationship with my dad. Now, that may sound crazy, but I also can tell you that I believe in some pretty metaphysical stuff that we don't die uh, when we leave this planet. And that as a soul, he is out there and, and is eternal in union with Father and that we all are. And I can tell you right now, for the last several years, my dad comes to me in my dreams at night, and specifically, I have a journal that I woke up one morning. Uh, it was actually January 20th of last year, so uh, tomorrow, uh, a week from tomorrow is my 49th birthday, but on my 48th birthday, Ward, I had a dream, and my dad came to my dream, and we hung out for like two and a half days and he came and, and spent that time with me during my dream. That one night, we spent two and a half days. I remember every frame of that story, every frame of that experience. It was a positive experience. It was a loving experience. And we had a conversation where I did talk to him about all of this stuff and how much, and, and we're completely on amazing terms today. Metaphysically, this happened during my dreams. And I was I woke up. And I instantly pulled out my journal and I began to write word for word every single, every experience that I had during that dream. I had to write it out and I actually allowed my tears to roll onto the page of that journal, smearing the ink and wrinkling the pages so that I could never forget that this was a real experience for me. So, Ward, I don't know if that's beneficial to you at all. 
It is. Wow. It's good stuff. And, uh, you know, again, I appreciate your transparency and the journey. And in many ways, we're, uh, we've got some, we've got some very similar backgrounds and, and I've got to work on my mindset and my beliefs and, uh, you've pointed me in the right direction. Word, I really appreciate you. I, I just want to say thank you uh, for hanging out with me last week. You've been here this entire time today. I really genuinely appreciate your ability to allow me to to share this in a podcast episode. I know that thousands of people are going to be incredibly encouraged and impacted by this particular podcast episode. So I just want to say thank you for that. I want you to know that I will be in prayer for the situation with your brother and also uh, with your wife as as you're going through and processing all of this stuff. So thank you. I'm honored to know you. And, and if I can have, be of any continued support to you, either here on Clubhouse or just personally, reach out to me. You're welcome. And thank you very much. And uh, I will be praying for you. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Cliff. Thank you. All right, my friends, let's see here. We'll, we'll do this. That's going to wrap it up for this incredibly long episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show, but I am so thankful that this came out. I, I'd been outlining this podcast episode for about three or four days now, thinking about how I would respond to Ward, and just felt motivated and inspired and prompted within. little intuitive guidance there from the Father above that says, yeah, you know what? I think now's the time. And followed that prompting. And yeah, it's a little bit longer than a normal Cliff Ravenscraft show episode, but you know what? It might be the only one you get in January. Got a lot of other great things that I'm working on. Of course, I do have weekly podcast episodes over at trainwithcliff.com. If you want to hear me on a weekly basis, you can check out trainwithcliff.com. It's a Patreon account, $10 a month, and you get my audio journal. You get all the secret behind the scenes stuff about what I'm working on, what I'm dealing with, how I'm processing things, all sorts of stuff. And not only that, but also a lot of these master classes that I'm doing on Clubhouse, these affirmations that I'm sharing. If you liked episode 673, several more of those affirmation uh, mindset masterclasses in them. So that's over at trainwithcliff.com. That's only if you want to hear me more consistently, like at least once a week. Otherwise, stay tuned here to the Cliff Ravenscraft show. By the way, if you are interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching, having somebody evaluate what you're currently, how you're currently framing the world, what your experience of life is, I am available for one-on-one -on -one coaching. Also, if you're a business owner and you'd like to do life with other people who are business owners who have a habit of seeing things from a positive mindset and about making things that are great and serving others, check out the Next Level Mastermind. You can get applications for my one-on-one -on -one coaching and my mastermind group over at MindsetAnswerMan.com or CliffRavenscraft.com. It's the same page. Either way, MindsetAnswerMan.com or CliffRavenscraft.com. Click on the Work With Me page. And until next time, my friends, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Mindset Answer Man.